It is July 9th, 2018. Hello everyone, my name is Roy Koshi. Welcome to the first episode of Paradox of Civility. So, in on July 9th, 2012, six years ago, um, I created and hosted an online radio show called The Hate Project. Now, here was the mission as I created for this show. I'll just read it to you. This show is about hate. It is also about the sources and reasons for why people hate each other. We extend an invitation for all racists, sexists, homophobes, and other people with feelings of bigotry to anonymously call in and have an honest discussion about their feelings of hatred. Um, there was no we, it was just me. I just wanted to sound professional, um, like I was a big deal, maybe had a team behind me. Anyways, um, so what motivated me to create a show called The Hate Project where I wanted to talk to um, racists and sexists and homophobes and other bigots? Well, um, I really just wanted to deep dive into what motivates people to hate. So, I'm an Indian American. My family is from India, but I was born and raised here in America. So, I have certainly dealt with my share of bigotry, of marginalization. Um, some on the light side, some on the really dark side. So, um, I just have always been fascinated by what motivates someone to kill someone else from another group of people just based solely on them being part of said group of people. Um, to kill or to maim or to redline or to, you know, basically put down beneath in any way possible, in any, in any way at all. I've never really quite understood it. I'm not saying I'm an angel. I've had some bigoted, screwed up, hateful thoughts in my life too. Certainly uh, living in the time and era that we live in, there's no way to escape, you know, any of us having racist, sexist, homophobic, um, hateful thoughts. Um, it's kind of, you know, it makes your way into it. It just depends on what you do with it, basically. Um, so I just wanted to explore um, why that happens, really. So I didn't want to have... I didn't necessarily create this show because I wanted to listen to a bunch of hate speech, per se. Um, I just wanted... and I, But I also, what I was avoiding was also having a more liberal, um, kind of academic, intellectual, distanced, detached discussion about ignorance and hatred and bigotry. There's a lot of great literature about that. I'm not knocking it, but I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to find a way to create a... Um, it's funny. I wanted to create a safe space for people who would uh, shit on safe spaces. Um, I wanted to create uh, a way where we could deep dive into people's real feelings and the actual sources of their feelings. I didn't want to change anyone. I just wanted to explore and understand better. That's why I also had the show, uh, you know, basically the provision of the show being that everyone who calls in can be anonymous. Um, I wanted people to be able to say what they want because I thought at the time that um, if you were able to just express and talk it out, you would sort of be aware of your own thoughts and your own biases and your own issues and maybe like the hatred that you feel, you could at least like look at it from a distance and it maybe wouldn't be as strong. Um, whereas like if you had to give your name, um, you'd be worried about f being fired from your job. Um, now we're having a lot of that uh, happen right now, and I'm not entirely against that, so um, <laughs> I don't know if I would have it anonymously again if I did it today.
So the reason I'm revisiting the show is, well, it's because of the current climate that we live in right now in the era of Donald Trump as a U.S. president and the Trump administration. Um, since the 2016 election, there was a big spike in hate crimes throughout the country. Uh, it was a five-year high, I believe, according to the FBI. And the hate crime uh, statistics, the number has continually increased every single year since 2016. It started happening in 2015, the minute that Trump started campaigning against Mexicans and calling them rapists and, well, basically saying that the people crossing the border are rapists and criminals. And that rhetoric has continued to today, obviously, and it plays out in many of the egregious policies happening right now, notably separating families, separating uh, children as young as infants from their parents as a punishment and a deterrent for crossing the border, which is a misdemeanor. Um, but in 2015, actually, um, when he started his hateful rhetoric against Mexicans, um, there were hate crimes against Mexicans. And when confronted about it, he um, didn't really decry it at the time. He said, my fans are passionate. So um, during the campaign as well, he uh, spouted anti-Muslim rhetoric, cre uh, suggested creating a registry for Muslims. Um, nice Hitler touch there. Um, and then in 2017, of course, you had the Muslim travel ban, um, which has recently been upheld by the Supreme Court. And Trump was endorsed by the KKK um, and people like David Duke, uh, who was supposed to be just a psychopath on the margins, but I guess not. Um, now... I hosted the hate project between uh, July 9, 2012 till September 10th, 2013. And as the show progressed, as I moved from one platform from, to another, I did eventually get calls from people who did belong to white supremacist organizations like neo-Nazi organizations and the KKK. Um, at least is what they claimed on the radio, um, but it's over a long period of time I get the feeling that they were not lying in fact like there's a couple people who gave their real names eventually and they they did indeed belong to these organizations um, a lot of the rhetoric that I heard on the show throughout that uh, you know kind of over a year that I was hosting this show um, has started to make its way into the mainstream in the last couple of years uh, one example I can give you is the 14 words I didn't know about the 14 words which are, uh, let's see here, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. Um, very recently, the Department of Homeland Security, um, one of its memos had uh, the title, we must secure the border and build a wall to make America safe again. 14 words. Now, DHS says that um, that's just a conspiracy theory. However, uh, this administration has had several um, people who were very openly white supremacist and had open ties to the alt-right, as well as other white supremacist xenophobic organizations, so not quite sure I believe that, but I will leave that up to you, dear listener. So the episode you're about to hear is the very first episode of The Hate Project. It starts out with me explaining the mission of the show and why I created it. Um, 
I describe a Flannery O'Connor short story that I think is a valuable piece of literature that deals with uh, racism amongst white people. And then I get three calls. The first call is a pretty nice call. Someone from Miami originally who grew up there and how he observed race relations in Miami. Nice call. The second call, a lot more hateful. Um, It's questionable whether it's just a troll messing with me or a real hate monger, but either way, it's hateful. Um, The third call is a very brief call repudiating repudiating the second caller. Um, I should warn everyone, there's a lot of uh, language on here um, that is hate speech indeed. Um, there's a lot of problematic language. Even I use some problematic language, um, not with the intention of being hateful, but I just want to put that out for everyone. And not that does not only apply for this episode, but applies for all future episodes. So this show's a little rough around the edges. It's a little messy. And probably this podcast that you're listening to will also be a little messy. This was an experiment with really mixed results. I'm not sure how I feel about it. In fact, um, that's also why I'm doing it, to just sort of revisit and see what I could have done better, because um, I don't really feel like I fulfilled my mission with this uh, podcast. Maybe had moments of uh, elucidation, some illumination, and that's why this podcast is called The Paradox of Civility, because there's been recent talks about in, in the media about civility in American discourse, especially in regard to confronting White House officials like Kirsten Nielsen or Stephen Miller when they're out at a Mexican restaurant while, you know, uh, putting forth policies that destroy Latino people. Um, You know, a lot of folks on the liberal side, the centrist side, say that we should not be harassing them. We should not be rejecting Sarah Huckabee Sanders when she wants to go to a restaurant. Um, Even though that's not discrimination, she's being rejected on the content of her character. Um, And so I feel like I tried to do that. In fact, you know, as I'm pouring through these former episodes, I feel like I maybe did that a little bit too much. And then the paradox part, um, I stole that from Karl Popper's Paradox of Tolerance. Popper defined this in 1945 in The Open Society and Its Enemies. He states, less well-known as the paradox of tolerance, unlimited tolerance must lead to the disappearance of tolerance. If we extend unlimited tolerance even to those who are intolerant, if we are not prepared to defend a tolerant society against the onslaught of the intolerant, then the tolerant will be destroyed and tolerance with them. That's the basic gist of his paradox of tolerance. I really did try to create a free speech zone a safe space again and um, I tried to tolerate intolerance I'm not sure what good it did Um, but you know what as the show goes on I hope you all listen and I hope to get some feedback from you to see if maybe you think otherwise okay so this is episode 1 aired July 9th 2012 I will be back after you listen to that part enjoy Hello, is anybody out there? Well, welcome to The Hate Project. My name is Roy Koshi. Uh, let me see if anyone can hear me. I have no idea if anyone can hear me because I'm on the phone right now. And uh, I'm just seeing how this works. I have my intro music happening. 
Um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, it was a fun, jaunty tune from uh, Francis Schubert, I think is his name. <laughs> I, uh, I had to find some free public domain music, so I don't want to get uh, yelled at about copywriting. Anyways, enough about that. Who cares about that? This is uh, The Hate Project. So basically, um, what this is, is a show about hate, and it explores the resources of hate. And what I'm aiming to do is not have a call-in show where it's just people, you know, saying that hate is wrong. What I want to do is have people who feel hatred. As in, like, I would love to hear from anyone who's actually racist out there or sexist. This is our first episode, so it's a little wonky. Um, I'm sorry about the the phone quality. (laughs) High-tech production, serious radio, this ain't. It's blog talk radio, which is better. Um, I got the free account, so that's why it's uh, only half an hour long. So anyways, uh, what this show is about is um, hatred and the sources and reasons why people hate. The sources and reasons why people feel racist or sexist or homophobic or phobic of any sort of people or just hateful towards any other group, any other ethnic group. And what I want with this show is for people who genuinely have these feelings of racism and sexism and homophobia to call in and have an open dialogue. Now, you can be anonymous. You can totally be anonymous. I don't want to know your name. I don't know where you I don't want to know where you live. And I'm keeping it anonymous so that you can just be honest about how you feel. All right? The number to call in is 347-539-5387. Again, that number is 347-539-5387. And I'm just waiting for you guys to call up. Hate Project! Right? So anyways, uh, let's see... Numbers 347-539-5387. I'll talk a little bit about um, why I even started the hate project. Um, Racism, bigotry, all those things are kind of funny to me. They're very arbitrary. I kind of don't know why they exist, but it's a very, very deep-rooted hatred. More, Just a deeper-rooted hatred than you would find, say, with you know, somebody at work that's annoying. It's a deep-rooted hatred that makes people kill each other, basically, uh, take another person's life. You know, so I'm just trying to explore the sources of that hatred. I'm just very interested in that. Um, Sorry, I just thought you'd enjoy that opening music. I also have a chat room here. We do have a chat room that's uh, loading. Uh, it's taking a long time to load on my computer here. I don't know if you guys are out there already, but uh, we'll see what happens here. So anyways, uh, if you if you deal with feelings of racism and things like that, please call in, and it's anonymous. It's anonymous, and, uh, you know, you can be very honest, because I'm trying to, like, get a... Uh, an honest, honest dialogue about this. That's all. I don't know. Maybe you people don't care. Uh, the number, again, is 347-539-5387. 
5387 and the switchboard is not hot at all it is it is not happening at all wow <laughs> well i'm having fun i i can tell you uh, something that sort of uh that kind of interested me recently um i was reading uh, a collection of flannery o'connor stories uh, Flannery O'Connor, she's the uh, great Southern writer. Um, you know, she's from Savannah, Georgia. Um, I don't know if she grew up there, but um, the, the edition I have says that she lives in Milledgeville, Georgia, where she raises peacocks. That's the edition I have. It's an old one. So, anyways, uh, there's an actual um, there's a story in there called "The Artificial Nigger." All right. Now, what this story's about? It's about um, a grandfather taking his grandson to the city of Atlanta. Both of them are white. The grandfather basically is trying to scare his grandson from living in the city. His grandson's very arrogant. He, you know, he's full of pride. He's in many ways smarter than his grandfather. So, I, and I hope I'm not spoiling anything. I, I, if, I spoil, if I give any spoilers, I recommend you read it anyway, because it's actually a really great story. And um, so anyways, uh, they go to the city, you know, he notices black people. You know, him and his grandson are kind of fighting. They have a war of words throughout the entire, um, about you know, at the beginning of the the uh, the uh, story. And so uh, he notices. Uh, you know, he tries to like point out, oh, there's a black person there, and he says, well, you know what that person is? And the grandson's like, what? He says that's a nigger. You know, and the grandson basically. Um, you know, feels frightened and he just feels angry at the black person. And he sort of like in a weird way, hates his grandfather, but like soaks in the, the feelings of bigotry from him. Anyways, later on in the story, uh, the little kid is, uh, the grandfather decides to like teach the grandson a lesson. The grandson, it just backfires on him and the grandson runs into a rich part of the neighborhood and bumps into this old woman and breaks her ankle and these rich people look down on his grandson and the grandfather. And at one point, you know, uh, the grand the grandfather says, you know, they're they're all yelling at him to like, you know, you're going to pay for this. You're going to pay for this leg. You know, you broke, you know, your stupid kid broke my ankle. And the grandfather says, I don't know this boy. This owns his son in front of everybody. And so, or his grandson, I should say. And so basically, like, his grandson uh is just mad, you know, and rightfully so, uh, very resentful. But then, um, you know, they, they see a, uh, a stone carving of a, of a black kid. And, uh, you know, they start to bond again by saying, Hey, that's an artificial nigger. And, uh, the point of the story is that these, the grandson was this, the grandfather, I should say, was this horrible, weak human being. A horrible person. He was weak. Didn't really accomplish much for himself. And the grandson was afraid. Afraid of the world and taught to be afraid of the world. And they both found an outlet in black people. So that's kind of one source of, of racism and bigotry that I've noticed. Um, but if you disagree with me, you should call in at 347-539-5387. Hmm. I guess everybody's tolerant <laughs> between 
<laughs> between 11.30 p.m. and midnight on Sunday nights. All, all the racists are just racist. They're, they're sleeping to be racist tomorrow, I guess. I don't know. Ridiculous. Anyways. So that that's my take on it. Um, you know... <laughs> Anyways, I guess nobody cares, right? Three four seven five three nine five three eight seven. Come on, guys, let's have a discussion. And you can you like this is uncensored too. It's on the internet. I put a mature rating on my own radio show, and it's at eleven thirty. I don't think there's any kids listening right now, and they shouldn't be. Turn it off, kids, if you're listening, or whatever. Leave it on and. And hold on one second. We have a caller. Caller, you are on the air. Uh, hello there. Hey, how's it going? Uh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I saw I saw that you were on, and uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, everybody has an opinion and everybody has something to say. Uh, but I think everybody was just waiting for somebody else to call. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, do you have anything? To say, do you uh, have anything to say about hatred? Do you, are are you? And, and I'm I, I'm asking this honestly, like. Do you have feelings of racism or sexism or any sort of bigotry? Uh, and it's anonymous. I don't. I don't want to know your name. I don't know where. I don't yeah. want to know where you live. I'm just asking. I think depending on where you are and depending on where you grow up and depending on what the dominant ideas are, that uh, that that you get that. I mean, I had a weird. I, I grew up in Miami, uh-huh. where uh, you know I, I happen to be. Uh, I'm white and I'm not Jewish, so I was like eight percent of the population in Miami at the time. Because there right. was a, like fifty-five percent Latino and like maybe twenty-five percent black, and a large percentage of the people who were white were Jewish, and it was just interesting for me coming from a suburb to go down to Miami and suddenly be—I mean, you're you know white in America, you're not a minority, but to be in a place where suddenly you are not the majority of the people that are living in your city. And, and so you, so I'm so sorry to interrupt, sir. Uh, so you're you're basically you were saying that you're not any of those things. You're like this white, as to your yeah, point, you're to be, yeah, yeah. So did you did you um, did you feel like any sort of alienation from Jewish people or or, or Latino no, people or African? No, no. You know, I, I think for me it was more fascinating to watch uh, other. Uh, non non Hispanic white people who were living down in Miami at the time freak out over the fact that they were not they were not that that anyone would say hello to them and you know or, or speak Spanish or that they would just freak out over the over the the fact that there was any other cultural influence other than their own that that was wow. there it was amazing to watch people freak out over that yeah and get indignant and feel like how you know, on, on one side there was that, and, and on the other, I had really good friends of mine who were Cuban, and the, the Cuban population in Miami was pretty dominant. They ran a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the main politicians, and there were there was a large percentage of the population, and right. and it was also interesting to to see their reactions when they left Miami and were suddenly exposed to a different different society. Right, right. So you're you're saying, um, I, I I guess like what what do you think? Like why do you think that people were freaking out? 
about these sort of different cultural influences? Like, what do you think the reason for that was? Uh, I think because they, they went out of their comfort zone. I think, uh, you know, I lived overseas for, for a while, and I lived in a lot of different places. And uh, up until the time that I left the country for the first time, I was, you know, living in a very, you know, rah-rah, America, wave the flag, everything's perfect kind of thing that you grow up in a little bubble as a kid, maybe. Right. Going overseas to suddenly realize things were not perfect in the States and that uh, the perception of the States was different and, and race relations are different in different countries. And, uh, you know, going over to Europe where suddenly there was, there was uh, hatred and, and talks of immigration talks about people coming in from Turkey, which is not something you would ever think of growing up in a suburban area in the States. I, I it's on, I, I, you, you just have to face your own prejudices and realize that you are what you were taught when you're growing up, and that until you experience the rest of the world and until you meet somebody, you don't have anything to go on. Well, like, I guess um, here's here's my other question, um, and I, I'm kind of like delving into this a little bit more because you're talking about a comfort zone. You know, other people, you were describing other, you know, white folks freaking out about sort of their comfort zone being threatened. But you, from what you're describing to me, seem to sort of assimilate pretty well to kind of discovering other cultures, you know, going overseas, uh, um, you know. So, like, what's the difference between, like, you and these other people who were freaking out and who didn't sort of, like, accept that change was happening? Well, I think it's, it's maybe it's just catching people at that moment where they're first exposed to people that are different than they are. Um, okay. You know, I, I, I wanted to be an, an exchange student when I was in high school, and I applied, and I went through this whole process for a year. And when it came down to it, they asked, "Would you be? do you want to be put in the family of another race on the application? And I remember as like a 15-year-old kid thinking, well, I don't know if I want to, because I grew up in a not knowing any better. And then the, right. the person that looked over my thing said, well, I see you also wrote down Japan you know that that's another race. And I just, at that moment was like, it was like a bomb exploded in my head and was like, wow, that's me. Look what I just did as a 15 year old, you know, uh, and was forced to like have a mirror held up and say, yeah, guess what? This is what your opinion is until you uh, experience something different. Wow. That that's so, so like, I wonder like if other people like, when they have that mirror held up to them, are they just sort of like, no, 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 it's all good. And I'm, I'm good. And, you know, I, I'm wondering about that. Like, cause it's sort of like, because it's sort of like, you know, you're, you're a regular guy, you're a human being, like, because like, so like you don't have any special powers that nobody else has. So it's like, why? Oh, I, I know I, I keep repeating this question and I'm sorry, but I'm just trying to figure out like, Maybe it is like this developmental thing, but like, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I keep hearing stuff on the other end. I apologize. Um, so, uh, so when other people like see this mirror of their own sort of ignorance or, or, you know, whatever, is it that they just sort of deny it and they don't want to see it basically? Is that, is that the difference? Whereas like you sort of saw it happen and you were like, Oh, that's happening. 
Is it just sort of humility? I mean, like, what is that? Well, it was definitely humiliating for me. I mean, the person that the person that was writing the interview didn't, you know. And as a matter of fact, I, I, they they actually they offered me the chance to go spend a year in South Africa, which I thought was brilliant on their part because I would have been in South Africa during apartheid, and like they they said, well, great, let's show them the world. And based on the oh, way wow. I'd answered my thing, it would have been an amazing experience. I wish I could have gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. I think, uh, but, but in terms of how you how you react and how you're affected, I think it depends on, I think, day-to-day. People just ignore certain things, and other people take things to heart. And hmm. it, it's your choice whether you want to deal with your uh, the uncomfortable parts of your reality. Okay. Well, cool. I have another caller, and I'm gonna I'm gonna grab this person really quickly. But thank you, sir, very much for sharing your uh, experience and calling in. All right, thanks. Thank you. Have a good night. Bye. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Welcome to the Hate Project. How are you? Hello. I am good. How about you? I'm good. So again, you know, this is an honest discussion about uh, you know racism, sexism, any sort of ism or phobias. Uh, so I don't want to know your name. It's an anonymous thing. I don't want to know your name or where you're, um, or where my, you're located. So you don't play any repercussions, huh? My name is Rudy. Hey, Rudy. Thank you for sharing. You volunteered that. So uh, what brought you to the Hate Project? Uh, I hate black express? people. So you hate black people and gay people. You hate black people and gay people. So can yes. you tell me why you hate black. black. Let's, let's let's break it up. Um, Start with why you hate black people. Well, they are the main reason. Well, most of the blacks are in jail because they're, you know, black. And they're not, they're not, they're not bringing anything to society as a whole. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, have you ever been to jail or do you, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to, but like, are you at risk of, like, why does that make you hate them that they're in jail? I'm assuming you're not calling from prison. No. Because if if a lot of them are in jail, then that means they're bad. Well, what some people would say is that, you know, black people have, um, they they make up like 13% of the population, right? They make up like 13%, but 50 of them are in jail. Well, do do you think that really that, do you, do you do you think that there's a possibility that there's um a systemic sort of dis- discrimination that affects black people more than it does white people? No. Or no. No? Okay. No. Because they use that I'm black, you're arresting me because I'm black thing. But do you think that it's weird that 13% of the population makes up the majority of the prison population is do you, do you find anything odd about that? Or do you because. just chalk it up to that you just because to that they're black. Sorry, they are black. horrible people. Can I ask? Uh, there are some good you, ones, but there are a lot of bad ones. Who are, who are some of the good ones? Herman Cain, very very good one, very good one. Right. Um, yeah. He's a pretty smooth black guy, I think. Yeah. Pretty smooth. Uh, um, who else? Any others? Well, it's a uh, very hard, you know, to find a good black guy. Um, let's see, let's see. Mm, 
I would say Michael Jackson, but he turned white, so that doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> Good point, yeah. Do you think that was like an upward move on his part? you think that disease thing was false? No. It was, God, was, it was, it was God's way of helping him. <laughs> cool. Why are you laughing? No, no, no. I've, ne- I've never heard that before. That's why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at you, sir. Um, do you have you had like like what's a horrible interaction with a black person that you've had? I'm just curious. Well, I was walking around the mall one time when I was younger, uh-huh. and they they racially called me names like cracker and honky. Right. Yes, for no reason. Oh, I'm sorry. And I mean, if you, did that? Sorry, you walk ar- you walk around town and you see them sagging. Hmm. You see a lot of white dudes sagging in their pants too, though. Yeah, I hate those. Those those are niggers, basically. Also. Okay, so those are niggers as well. Um, yeah. Wiggers, they want want to be blacks. So, um, what about, uh, like white dudes, like those, those douchey, like frat white dudes, you think those are good guys like who, well, you know, date rape? Well, they're not, huh? they don't, they're not in jail. So, you know, so they're all innocent. Well, they're not innocent, but you know, if the girls, it's the girl's fault for getting drunk. Okay. Um, so I want to like, I, I want to come back to that in a second. Because uh, that might be another ism that we discovered. But why do you, why do you, why do you hate gay people? They are everything wrong. They are most of the things wrong in this world. What about like? Um, can I ask you? And you don't have to give me any details. But what region of the country are you from? Texas. All right. Cool. Um, are you from Bider, Texas? What? No, you're not. Um. So what? I, I guess like what I'm, I'm, huh? What did you ask me? I asked if you were from Bider, Texas. What's that? It's a town in Texas. Oh hell no! But that's full of queers. Oh. Really? Never heard of it. It was like what, a. Um, what is it by? It's a uh, it's Bider, Texas. It's a town like it was. It used to be a sundown town back in the day where. Black people had to be indoors by a certain curfew. Oh man, I wish I could live back there. Right. You know, my family actually actually used to own a plantation. So do you? So are you? So you're pissed off that slavery's over, basically? Yes. Yes. If we if we had slavery now, everything would be better. Everything <sighs> would be better. Well, so like, because it means that you wouldn't have to get a job, basically. Well, your job is, you know, working, making sure they work, you know? Well, no, they're doing the job and you're collecting the profit. Yeah, but you got to make sure that? they do the job right. It's like management. Hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know if I buy that. I think I think it's a I think it's a brilliant business plan that's evil. Um, not evil. It's a way of life. So then, like, why why can't white folks be slaves? Well, they can be slaves. Uh, the back in the Roman times, they had white people as slaves. Right. You don't right, see right. you don't see people go. You don't see us white folks going 
I used to be a slave. Give me stuff. Because well, I, don't, I don't hear a lot of black people saying that. I hear people. I hear those blacks say it all the time. Well, so like, do you do you come across black people in your day to day life? Like when you go and get coffee or go to a restaurant and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, I mean, are they mean to you? Like, if you go to like a Starbucks, I don't or something, talk to them. I try to keep my try to keep away from them. Do you, do you still like when you kind of like walk around wherever your town is? Like, do you still like hear people like throwing up the word cracker and stuff like that? What, what was the first part? I asked like, what in your day to day life? Like, do you do you have people calling you cracker? Oh no, 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 no! That is unacceptable. Right. Right. It's like me calling you a honky. You just don't right. do it. Do you Only think the that blacks best? do that, though. They're like, What's what that? up, cracker? Only the blacks do that. They're like, what up, cracker? You don't hear white folks going around saying, what up, cracker? It's only the blacks. But do you feel like, um, do you feel like it's the same sort of impact as, uh, as the N-word? The N-word? Cracker? Oh, no, hell no. I'm, I'm not a little baby. Words cannot hurt me. But do you think that the N-word is, do you think it's the same as the word cracker? The N-word does not mean anything. Well, it doesn't mean anything to you, because you... Well, that, you, it's, a, it's like, it's like calling a gay a gay. They all get mad at it, but it doesn't mean it. it's, it's what they are. Right. They're trying to redefine something that has been here for generations. Well, actually, going back to that, like you were saying that gay people are everything that's wrong with society. So can you tell me like what that means to you? Well, they're all liberals. So because they voted for Obama? Yes. Are you? Are we, you now we have for, this health care that I do not even want to pay for. Right, that I'm having right. to give to the, black, the poor black community on welfare. Well, you know that most uh, people on welfare are white. Have you, you know that? Well, I still don't want to give my money to them either. Right. My well, money, so th- I made it. Well, I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, are you, um, why do you uh, uh, hate, I'm not really clear why you, you don't seem to have, like, any personal reason to hate either blacks or gays. The, you don't seem to have like any relationships with any of them. Or, like, just look them out. Are... Just look at the, look at the blacks. Just look at them, and they talk like freaking monkeys. And they sag. You see them around town. Where, where do you live? Where do you live? What part? Well, of I'm the... in the I'm, I'm in the northeast portion of the country. Northeast, so around New York. So you get a lot of blacks out there, you know. Yeah. You know what I'm. You know what I'm talking about. You know. Well, there's hey, a lot of different kinds of blood. Hey, Jamal, let's go play kinds. some baseball. Oh, yeah. I, 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 they don't talk like that. There's right, a lot of different types of like that. Hey, Jamal, let's go get some KFC. Oh, no. Now, Tyrone. What kind of name is Tyrone, anyways? I hate the way they... It's actually... I, I think it's actually an Irish name. Tyrone? Yeah. And it's like kind of a slave name that... Um, like masters used to name their slaves Tyrone, so it's not really their fault. Jesus Christ! I know. Hey, listen, um, we're kind of running out of time. I want you to call back in next week, okay? 
What I gotta take another call. Wait, wait, wait. When are you coming back next week? What I'm gonna try and come back next Sunday at eleven thirty. So give me a ring back, okay? We'll talk more. It's only ten. It's only eleven o'clock here. Hold on a second. Hey there, caller. You're on the air. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. So uh, we have a very limited amount of time. So welcome to the Hate Project. And so uh, you don't have to give me your name or any details about you. Uh, what What do you want to talk about? I just want to know the education level of these callers. I didn't ask. Stupid and dumb. So I think you should right. take a poll. When they call in, ask their education level. Right. Well, uh, you know, that's the thing. I, I should have asked that. I didn't. Um, I was just very fascinated. And, and you know, sir, here's the thing. Like, the, I'm trying to, like, get to the root of, like, how people really feel and why they feel the way they feel. So I didn't really – I'm trying to keep it anonymous and a little – that's why I'm not, like, sort of screening people for education level, but – Hey, well, people are just ignorant and dumb, and I think half of them are just uneducated. And I think, like, the last caller, he really didn't have no reason to hate. He just hated because of what he was heard. He doesn't yeah. think on it. I mean, because really, right. all black people are in jail. Did he realize <laughs> the, the majority of the people in the world are white or Hispanic? Yeah, yeah I know. Well, you know, you uh, Will Smith... I have 10 seconds left, sir. Um, listen, I'm going to try and do the show again next week. I'm going to schedule it right now. So call me call me back next week, okay, if you want to talk more? Oh, will do. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling in. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello? And we're done. I will say that this particular episode, it's a pretty good uh, template for what social media interaction is like today, only it's just a lot worse than that. Um, It was bad back then, but it's a lot worse today, and um, especially the racist parts, definitely um, heightened now. Um, And then, you know, the back and forth, people talking at each other. I feel like in this episode, especially to uh, Rudy, I capitulated too much. I didn't really push back enough. I assigned myself like as more of like a therapist. Um, because, again, as I stated at the beginning of the episode, I wanted to provide a space for people to be honest. Um, honestly, did it allow for growth or self-reflection or any sort of like consciousness on his part, I don't know, and I really don't know how much it did for other people. Now, this is another reason I'm doing this podcast, is just to make other people aware. I mean, I know that we're generally aware of a lot of the white nationalism and uh, resurgence of white supremacist movements, nationalist movements, and what have you, um, but I think it's an opportunity to hear voices. Uh, you can hear the real voices from 2012 and see kind of the pathway of how we ended up here in 2018 with the president and the administration that we have and the government that we have. Um, I thank you so much for listening. Um, I will post my email in the description for uh, the show, and please tune in to the next episode of Paradox of Civility. Thank you.